We did it. I'm drinking, so it's probably my fault. It's my <laughs> fault. Who's not, man? I got one here, too. So, oh, oh, you got the shot glass. I got the shot glass. I got the shot glass. Aren't they cool? Yeah. Is mine full? Yeah. Let's look. There you go. There you go. Cheers, my brother. Cheers. 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 Oh, I got to pour this in. Do it right. Cheers. So I was listening to Cheat Code just now on, on Mask On, and uh -huh. I had to. You know why? Why's that? Because uh, you got a line in it about drinking McQueen, and I couldn't pass it up. <laughs> I think I might have. I think I might have the most McQueen lines in rap history right now. <laughs> I love it. Thank, thank you for the support. Thanks, thanks for the love. Always. So, Chevy. So you're. So just so you know, uh, at least if we, your fans know who the hell I am. Um, uh, some people think I'm a vagrant, which I can pass as a vagrant anytime. Um, but I own a bunch of liquor brands, everything from, uh, used to own Ace of Spades and Doucet and, and have Bel Air, Bamboo, uh, our new one, Vion, and then, uh, a Taylor Gang favorite, yours, which is McQueen and the Violet Fog. Um, I've been doing this a long time. Uh, it, it sucked, sucked, sucked getting here, but I love, love, love that I'm here now. If that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I started this series called Self-Made a few years ago, and I get to interview everybody, everybody from, from Wiz to Wayne to Ross, DJ Khaled, to when Post first got up and coming, when A Boogie first started. You know, it's a few hundred people now, which is really cool. And what I like to focus on is, is what I call this self-made side. And it's the shit that, that people don't realize that you had to get, go through to get where you are. And people know who you are. Um, so I started out the same way with everybody, and I'll ask you, what what do you what does self made mean to 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 you? Um, self made means to me is you know when I hear the word, I still think of collective, mm. you know, because you still have a. I mean, I might have a dream, but I I need to I need people around me to help me, you know, achieve that. But they're also doing the things that they love to do. You know, like just for for instance, the team over at Taylor Gang that handles everything on socials and all of that, they love to do what they do. They love their job. So they're self-made out what they do. I'm self-made out what I do. And when we come together as a collective, we're all in a self-made position because let's be honest, nobody does everything on their own. Like we would need we would need 30 of us to be able to handle everything that we got going on. So I feel like. You know, self-made for me is just a collection of like-minded people that have the same dreams and aspirations, and they can be doing something different, but we're on our way to the big picture. You know, I I was once asked, I was at a conference, and someone asked, you know, um, I can't remember the question, but the answer to me was, uh, if I didn't have my brother with me when I first started, I needed somebody with me. Right. I just needed somebody else. Right. And because I, I lack that confidence on my own. I don't think I need that now. I don't need it now. But right. back then, did, did you feel like, was that part of it at all for you? Meaning just having one other person in, or, or, or even a couple people in the camp? Yeah, I think for me, it was the people that I grew up with in the music now that are doing music now and people that don't, don't do music. They don't have Instagram or they don't have nothing like that. But they help groom me to where I wanted to go. So it can be stories that I rap about. It can be me going back home and us reminiscing on stuff. And even with like Sledrin, Sledrin stayed a block down from me. And we used to have to go to his house 
and yell at the window just to get a beat. Be like, because he's up there playing the beat and he got the window up and you're like, I like that one, yo, let me get that on the CD. So he brings it downstairs and gives it to you on the CD. So like, even back then, we, we all needed each other, you know what I mean? And even to take it further, I knew I could rap, but I didn't know where I could take it until I met Wiz. So then came something bigger. Somebody had a bigger dream than what I thought of, and I just latched onto that and created a space for myself. So so use Wiz as the example. Forget Wiz as, as someone who, back, he wasn't Wiz, meaning right. he wasn't famous. What did he have that that, provided you the tools, if you know what I mean? I think it was a, I mean, I, I, I play sports where I've always practiced and, you know, trained and stuff like that. And then I got the music and I, I felt like I seen the same thing that, you know, drove me to do sports and be great at that in high school and stuff like that. I, I think I seen that in him. I seen that this was his passion. This was his dream. He was always training. He was always practicing. He was always taking knowledge from you know, E. Dan and that Addy Labs in the early days and stuff like that. So I feel like he was doing his training like that. And I seen that and I was like, all right, bet. So if I put the effort that I used to do when I was playing sports into this the same way as somebody with the like mind, I need him around me at the same time. I need to pick his brain, even though he's younger than me. He has the knowledge of music and how to put bars in places and hooks and stuff like that and bridges. So I needed to learn all of that because Otherwise, I was just writing straight down a notepad, and there was no song structure, no nothing. So I kind of learned that from him. So I needed that. What do you think he picked up from you? Um, how to move, how to move, how to how to how to be in certain places, how to not be in certain places. You know, um, is that just as important? Yeah, for sure. It's, it, it, it's one hand wash the other. You know what I mean? Because. Not to get too deep into it, but I was in the streets and my and like my homies and us, we was in the streets as well. So there would be certain situations where we'd be like, yo, this ain't, you might as well just go in and get up out of here. You know what I mean? So, of course, we grew up around it and lived around it. And not, that's not taking nothing from like him from the hood or anything like that. It's just having the knowledge of like somebody actually, my big homies actually saved me from a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah. They wouldn't let me do certain things. They wouldn't let me be around certain things when it was going on. So I just took that, and I knew that, you know, he was 16, 17 years old. He's hanging out with us. We're getting him in clubs. He's getting kicked out of clubs and all types of stuff. So I just knew where to say, yo, don't – you don't need to be here. Or, yeah, come through. You know what I mean? So Yeah. Did, did – did, uh, you mentioned basketball and sports. How important was that to you growing up? Oh, it was everything. I mean – I mean, in the summertime, I was super happy because we didn't have to get up for school, and all I can do is go to the playground all day long. Like, sometimes, you know, my mom used to have to come and get me. The lights would shut off. We would climb over the fence and flick the switch back up and turn the lights back on and be there till 1.30, 2 o'clock in the morning. This is like 15, 16 years old. You know, I had a dream that the sports was going to work because I was nice, but I wasn't putting in the full effort. To, to be, I was just going off of talent, you know what I mean? And I was beating everybody off of talent. So I'm like, all right, cool, I'm, I'm cool here. But later on, I realized that there's a lot more that goes with talent. You got to put the work in. They'll put somebody that works harder in the position before they just say, okay, you're talented. We're going to put you in. You don't got to work ethic. You can't. Do you, do you think you I, – I, I had this conversation yesterday with uh, – his name is Yanga Chief, this, this dope-ass artist out of South Africa – um, where I said, 
I wish I told him, I wish I had me back when I was 18 or 19 or 17. You know what I mean? Like, I wish there was someone like me telling me, you know, that, that it's fucking hard and you got to work at it. And that's what you got to do. Did you have anybody in sports doing that or you didn't? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my dad was there in the early, in the early days. You know what I mean? Like when I was maybe nine, 10, 11, um, when I really start to love sports. So like, I think what he, he left an impression on me. Cause I used to hear stories about him from his friends and stuff like that. So the same playground that I spent my days at, he spent his days at, you know, perfecting what he did in sports. So those stories drove me to believe that, oh, well, I'm about to try to one up my dad. If they're talking about him like that, I want my people to talk about me like that and not like whether I'm around or not, you know what I mean? So I feel like, you know, I had, I had, like I said, I had big homies, even with the rap stuff. Like my big homie lived across the street. He's actually my god brother. He used to always get instrumentals and just call me and be like, yo, come over here with your notepad. So I would just go over there and just, you know, listen to music, listen to beats, rap lyrics back and forth. And that's where I really like hone my skill skills. So when did when did basketball? And I don't want to say turn off, but when did that slow down and music pick up? Uh, I think. Uh, well, I went to college for a year, so after my freshman year, I I, I needed to. I was Prop Thirty Eight, which is like probation for athletes. So I ended up. Um, Does that still exist today? I forgot. Yeah, I believe so because the, they give they give the kids that don't have the SAT scores a chance. A ch yeah to go to school and they put you on sometimes it's partial scholarship yeah yeah 48 so i came in on prop 48 and i had a mentor and all this stuff and he was like one of these dudes that been at the school for six years after he graduated so he was like trying to bully me with words and stuff like that but i come from an area where you know you can't do that to me because i already been around the worst of the worst and heard everything so it was just once I, once I left school and I had to go to summer school, my mom asked me, what you going to do now? And I was like, I'm not going back to college. And I was like, all right, bet. Then I was like, all right, let me jump into the streets. So I got, I got in the streets immediately after college. And I already knew what was going on. Like I, I was in high school, coming home from college, I already knew the situation. I knew the scene. I knew the people. I knew where to get whatever I needed. I knew how to move. Like, so all of that just, it was kind of easy. It was like a layup for me. And how do you get out of that? Just cold turkey. I mean, kind of got like an ultimatum from Liz when we were going on the first tour. And he was just like, yo, bro, I don't feel like, which I needed. He's like, yo, bro, I don't feel like, you know, your heart's in it, you know, full throttle. I'm going to go on tour for two weeks, let somebody else do the hype man job. And then if you feel like that's what you want to do, then, you know, that's what that's what you'll be doing. So what happened was I spun, I had spent all the money that I had. I'm not going to say which drug, but I spent all the money that I had on drugs when he said that so i'm like oh shit if i really want this i got two weeks to get rid of everything get the money situated be able to leave you know i'm in a relationship at the time and stuff like that so i was scrambling and i was just like you know what i'm not gonna miss this opportunity like i missed the sports opportunity yeah. to not put the work in so i'm like all right let me just go put the work in two weeks cold turkey left hit the road and then look back how long has it been now since that, maybe, woof, that was like 2013, 2012. When did, Taylor, when did Taylor Gang uh, get created? 2009. So basically, we were, we were already 
running around and moving around each other years prior to that. We just didn't have a name for what well, we did. We were a heavy hustle. That's what it was before. But we didn't have a name as a as a conglomerate, like a group. You know what I mean? So then Wiz came with the Taylor Gang, and we just you know followed suit. Um. What would you tell? I'm jumping ahead, but what would you tell? What would you tell somebody who's 16, 17 in your position now? Like, how do you get in their head? Um, I mean, you mean musically or just? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, yeah, that same thing. You know, get it like Wiz said to you, or you realized it. You know, it's like shit or get off the pot. This is your chance. Yeah, because I think that people, you know, people have dreams. And aspirations, but when it smack them in the face, when they really got to go do it, it's like a whoa! I wasn't expecting that to happen like that. So it's always, you know, things that I mean. I'm pretty sure with you, you were like, oh shit! Now I'm about to pop off. You feel me? So I feel like you got to embrace it. You have to embrace what's going on. You have to have the people around you embrace what's going on. You have to have a lot of like-minded people. You got to have a lot of homeboys. That's want to get out of certain situations that they're in and they're willing to do something. I don't care about how much money you're about to make on the road, whatever. Pick up a camera, set up a stage, do something, you know what I mean? If you really want it and that's really what you want to do, that's what that's what brings together like Taylor Gang. We all have a position to do for each other. So we're all just basically working for each other. Um, I think either Fed said this or Chris said this. I can't remember. Maybe even Sledgen said it. Taylor Gang isn't looking to sign people. It kind of just happens. Yeah, always. Why is that? I think because everything that we've built and everything that we've done has been organic. We we didn't go and say, oh, Sledging, here's this piece of paper. Oh, Chevy, here's this piece of paper signed to us. Or we, we just went about it creating the lifestyle. So once you create the lifestyle then becomes the music, then becomes you living that lifestyle with the music, then becomes, oh, the fans want to dress like you, the fans want to talk like you, they want to eat the foods that you eat, drink the drinks that we drink. So it's, you know, it becomes a lifestyle. I feel like you got to you gotta tap into whatever that lifestyle may be. Is, if you think back, did you guys ever think, okay, we want uh, Taylor Gang to be like this, meaning somebody else out there who was doing, the, who who had the same uh, group, the same family, the same team. If you know what I mean? Um, we talked a lot about like uh, Dipset. Talked a lot about like uh, Rockefeller, um, the Rough Riders. You know, it's it's the same blueprint. You know what I mean? It's just different people, different lifestyles. However, they move, whatever it may be. I think it's the same blueprint because. I went to, um, who was it, Up in Smoke Tour, like Dr. Dre and everybody, Eminem and everything, and I was just looking at that stage, and I'm thinking, like, man, I rap. I don't, I, don't, I don't foresee this happening, but if I get a chance to get on that stage like that, then, you know, I'm going to really pursue it. And, you know, years later, me and Wiz performed on the same stage, and I was, like, in a moment, like, oh, shit, well, this is it. We Do you do you, do you remember that moment? Yeah, I remember. I remember the outfit. I remember the pictures. Where where was it and when? It was in Pittsburgh at the Civic Arena, which is tore down now. So it was a time when um, Lil Wayne was performing. We had opened up, and it wasn't even like my my opportunity. It was Wiz's opportunity. I was, was just, he known? Was he known then? In the city, yeah, for sure. And 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 on socials, you know, a, a slight bit as well. And what did it feel like? 
felt amazing. I didn't even have I didn't even have a verse. I was just doing the hype man shit, and it just it just felt good just to see your peers. You see, like when you're rapping on stage like that, you see all the people that are in the studios and all the people that's moving around the city and making noise and they're at the show, they're going to a little Wayne concert, but they see us up there. So it gives motivation, you know, I think to them and they give us motivation because they're still there, you know, taking pictures and cheering us on. Do you remember, do you remember the first time out of the state, meaning touring and, and that feeling of yeah. feeling sorry, feeling of knowing shit, does anybody know who the hell we are? Um, I don't know about I don't know about for me being on stage for Wiz because it was always highlights. You yeah, know? I don't feel like I feel like we went on the road when shit was popping off, so it was already like known. But for me personally, I toured with Kevin Gates. Yeah, first show was in Houston, and you know I'm thinking like, yes, yeah, Taylor Gang. You know they they obviously know what's going on. You know what I mean? So when I get out there. First song comes on, I start rapping the lyrics, crickets. Nobody moves, nobody put their hands up, nobody did nothing. And I'm talking about 2,000 people. So I'm like, oh, shit. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I'm going to just finish the set. And then I seen him go on, and I was like, oh, okay. So this is that type of crowd. This yeah. type of movement. But still, you got to be able to adjust. So I, as I went on tour, after that, I learned how to you know, what songs to put on. I know what's going to make the crowd say, ooh, or make them, you know, have a party and stuff like that. So I just thought I knew what was right until I seen that. And then the next couple of shows, you know, it turned up. What do you like most now? Uh, do you like the touring? Do you like the hyping? Do you like the writing? Do you like the beats? Like, which is, which is, um, which is... I think I like it all. I think I like it all equally because even though, you know, sometimes I might not be on stage with Wiz, but still, I'm on the side. I know all the words. I know where to catch my words with certain songs, and we haven't done that in a long time. You know what I mean? But still, I'm I'm always in that element because it just keeps me sharp, just in case. You know what I mean? So sometimes I might get the mic behind the stage before I'm about to come out, and he's still performing, and I might hype a couple words just because I know. You know what I mean? What's going on? So I feel like all of it for me, the beats, sitting down with Sledger and having Sledger send me, you know, production and having KH do hooks and had doing songs with Fad and talking to it about talking talking about it to Will and setting up all the plays. I think I like all the work pieces that go with it. Um, because of COVID and because no one's been on tour and you can't do any of that. Like, have you been thinking about, like, all the things now you want to do differently? You know what I mean? Like, you want to do that you didn't do before on stage or how to – you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I just feel like just, – just, I mean, you know, it was a bad time, of course. You know what I mean? Of course, we're getting out of it now, so if you made it through, God bless you. Um, it was a bad time, so I had to find other stuff just to occupy my mind. You know what I mean? Even though we we were in the studio, recorded like three, four thousand songs in the pandemic because Wiz has the studio at his house. So we were just still working, but we just wasn't around people. Um, I feel like, you know, just doing that and having a break from everything, I feel like it was a reset for me to understand how to write music more, to understand, you know, every record's not for me that I record. I can, you know, give it to somebody else and it'd be popular as well. So beforehand, I might have been stubborn and say, this is for me, this is for me, this is for me. Now my mind says, 
record it like this person, give it to this person. Just mm. not, not for you, record your other stuff for you, you know, separate from that. So does, I really, it feel, does it feel just as good? Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Because, you know, I, I, I wrote a record on Juicy J's album, you know what I mean, that he did basically, you know, word for word almost, you know what I mean? So it was like that feeling right there. And then, you know, sitting in these writing sessions now and, and penning stuff for people, not necessarily knowing where it's going to go or if it's going to get used, it just helped me sharpen everything that I got going on. Um, how did the food start? Um, I used to, I used to hang around a kitchen, man, with my mom and my grandma a lot. You know what I mean? So like, I would go play basketball, but when dinner time comes, I wouldn't go outside. I would just sit there, smell <laughs> food, and talk to them. And um, once the pandemic hit, I was like, you know, I've been cooking for a while for myself. You know what I mean? Um, I was like, yo, what if I put a camera on it? I never really, and you know, social media became that. You know, so like. Even when I was searching for a camera in the pandemic, there were no cameras. I was like, yeah, yeah. this is this is fucked up. I'm really trying. <laughs> I remember that too. I'm like, I can't find a camera. I remember that too. Yeah, so the team had to send me a camera. Um, and that started like the streaming on the video games and stuff like that. And then I had my man Daniel Kelly come through with his camera because I just did it on my phone one time. And then I put it on my IG story. And people were like, damn, I look good, I look good. So I, call, I got in touch with DK, and we we filmed the show. It took us 10 weeks, so we did one a week, and it took us 10 weeks to fill the whole episode. And um, I was just coming up with the stuff in my head. I would open my refrigerator and be like, all right, bet, that's today. Then I go to the gym, I come back, take a shower, do my things, and then have them come over and film. Doesn't It makes me think, and I, I, I tell people all this all the time, my, my hardest decision in life was just deciding what the hell to do. Mm -hmm. And the easy decision in life is deciding to do something you just love. Isn't it easy when you just you like something to just go and do it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's way better. It's no, I feel like it's no pressure. You know yeah. what I mean? No pressure. Like, even though you know, if I'm if I'm writing the music in the studio and then I have to perform it, the pressure for me is just starting, hearing a beat drop on stage. But once I say the first word, I'm gone. It's over. Yeah, it's so over. This, there, there's now there's small pressure points. It's less pressure, but there's small pressure points where it just clicks, and you're like, "Oh shit! All right, cool." Do you have? Do you set goals? Yeah, for sure. Yep. So, what do those look like? Um, musically, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna write one of the biggest hits for an artist. You know, it's not even about me at this point, um, cause I. I feel like so so long story short, I used to mock my teachers and kids and stuff in school. So I apply that to me changing my voice in the studio. So when mm -hmm. I change my voice, I can sound like these artists and when I present it, you know what I mean, it makes sense to them. It's like, oh shit, that's something I would have said. So that's the type of thing that I'm I'm into now. I'm thinking way more ahead than just thinking for myself and keeping the songs and you know, just staying tied in with like the culture of what you have to do as it shifts. So I'm pretty sure you with the with the liquor, there's culture, it shifts. So you have to do certain things to be in that culture. You know what I mean? Like I just I just turned 40, but I'm still in the culture and I know what's going on and I pay attention and I just adapt. Correct. I, I was watching, I, I tell the story, I was watching uh, uh, The Last Dance, my, uh, The Bulls, Michael Jordan, 
And Phil Jackson had a line in it, which was, you know, pivot and pivot quickly. That's, uh -huh. that's, and I believe in that. You just got to yeah. constantly be moving, constantly be trying things, constantly be changing when things happen. Right. Um, do, do, do you, like yesterday I was, I, again, I, I talked to this, I interviewed a, a, a kid out of South Africa, Yanga Chief, who I had never heard his music and I was listening to it. I'm like, oh my God, I love this. Yeah. Like, do you ever hear a new artist and, and think, I want to write something for this guy? All the time. And what happens? Um, I think, I think I, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't reach out immediately. I kind of like, when I do, when I think like that for artists, I already think that they have what they have going on. So you have to play to that and it has to be perfect because yeah. they write their own music or they can have their own writers or other writers or whatever, but it has to be perfect. It has to be the perfect time, perfect beat, perfect, like the words, the bridge, you know what I mean? So it has to be. For me, it has to be perfect for me to present it. I never just go in there and be like, all right, well, this is for so-and-so. This is, yeah. Take it out the studio, and I'm like, here. here. I already thought about everything that goes with it already. Do, 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 you, do you wish you could do it start today? Meaning how everyone is, when you mentioned, you know, going up to, you know, the window and, and, and say, telling Sledge, and I like that beat, bring it down. Like, can you imagine that? Can you imagine telling somebody that? And he yeah. puts it on a CD and he brings it down to you and you have it. Do you think it would just be easier to start today? Or do you, are you happy that you fucking know how hard it was back then and how easy it is today in the sense? You know what I mean? Yeah, but I, that, that's, that's what I always tell people too. I always use this analogy Everybody's seen a Biggie Smalls rapping on a stoop video. Can't do that no more. Yeah. So times definitely change. You have to get on your socials. You have to be in people's faces. You have to be on TikTok. You have to be, I'm not saying you have to be popular. You just have to work towards what you want. So if yep. you go somewhere, you definitely need social media, you know, to, to make that go up. If you want, if you want, to be a musician, an artist, you know, a, a cook, a chef. We see a lot of that, you know what I mean, now. So you just have to, you have, like I said, you got to move with the times, you know. I, I, I know that I can rap my ass off, but at the same time, people are listening to beats and melodies and how does it sound in the club and things like that. So you just have to adapt to certain things, but still keep your, your core foundation. Uh, Currency said the same thing when uh, he was talking about Wiz and he just knew you know, Wiz is going to be huge. That's the lane he's picking. He's going to L.A. I'm not going. I'm going to stay where I am, and I'm happy. You know, it's picking your right. Right. Um, I, I didn't immediately – like, it wasn't on me to, like – I didn't really think about moving here. You know what I mean? Like, I live in L.A. now, but it took me a while to get to this point. You know what I mean? Because I was just in the hood thinking, like, all right, bet. This is this is what it is. I go back, do shows, come back. Everybody going to love me leave go go to LA for two months come back still same shit like so you know it became a business move for me I needed to you know be where all the moving parts are as well um if you weren't doing music what would you be doing that's a good question because I really I really I really don't think about that but I also say whatever nine to five that I had I would be the best Walmart, I would be the best Foot Locker, I would be yeah. the best Chick-fil-A, whatever it, it was in my life, I would be the best at it. If 
if it became me being a sports agent for somebody or I would be the best at that if I was a trainer, anything like that. Like, I'm going to just put my full effort into it because I understand now from missing an opportunity when I was going to college and stuff like that and not putting the full effort into yeah. that. I knew it could have been way brighter for me, you know, so I, I know that now. So now I just, every time I'm about to do something, I think about that. What you what you do back then? Oh, yeah, you missed the opportunity. Don't miss this one. Is that the biggest regret you have? For sure. For sure, because I was, I was All-American, man. Like, I was wide receiver, basketball averaging 24 points a game coming out of high school. But I went to a small school that was only, like, 500 kids. You know what I mean? And the SA, my SAT scores wasn't, weren't high. So a lot of the offers that I was getting, they fell off. So I had to, like, go out. It came, became from every college to me having to go out and – basically try to recruit them yep. to recruit me yep. and, and taking tape different places and you know stuff like that and I finally was like which I should have left but I finally was like you know what I'm gonna just go to Robert Morris because they keep coming back to the school keep coming back to the high school like and checking on me and saying we love you and da -da -da. then I went to the campus with my mom and she loved it you know what I mean so it was just like and it was getting me away from what was going on so and that's what I wanted even though it was 45 minutes away I would leave and go back home on the weekend and still be with my friends. But on the weekdays, I wasn't, I wasn't partying. I was in school. Give me three, three shout outs in your life. Three, three. people. Yeah. My cousin, my cousin Jermaine, which he, he passed away in 2007, but that's who helped us create heavy hustle. which brought us all together on some Taylor gang shit. Um, for sure, shout out him. My mother, because she put up with a lot of shit <laughs> without my dad being there. Um, and damn, three. They gotta go family, man. I gotta shout out I gotta shout out both my little brothers on on the third one, you know, because one of my, my middle brother, which is Ludi, he stays in the mix. So I kinda like get you know, the wild shit that goes on from him. He tells me and feeds me the wild shit. But then sure. my little brother as my nephew, which is little Steven. And to see him raise a kid, I got to shout him out. And, like, the love that he gives his kid and the support and the time that he didn't get, it's crazy that I have a stepdaughter and I raised her still to right now, from one to 18. You know, she's 19, matter of fact, now. So he's seen me do that, and I feel like, without him telling me, I feel like he got that. Sure. But he didn't He didn't have dad around. So how did he How did he learn that? Oh, well, he's seen me in a way that I moved around with my stepdaughter. So, yeah. I love it. Well, I, I you know, it's. It, I think it's really cool because I'm very fortunate. I get to interview so many, so many people, but I, you, I've got to interview basically, I think everybody, maybe I'm missing a couple within Taylor gang, but I think it's so cool is you guys are so in sync. And if you asked, it's like the dating game. If you ask them one person a question, the other one will know the answer. Everyone, know, everyone's got the same answer, the same vibe, the same focus. Um, I don't know many uh, uh, non non-family families that have the same thing going on. It's just awesome. Right. Um, but Chevy, I love hearing your story. Uh, I think we're going to do something with Chris. I think we're going to do something with Fed. Um, I'm sure you're involved in some way or another in this. 
Uh, The more I can support and what I'm doing in your space, that's what I love. I just think it's awesome. It makes me feel good. Um, But I truly appreciate you participating in Self-Made and hearing your story and for others to hear it too. Anything I could possibly do, please ask, all right? I appreciate you having me. And I want to, I see all the new stuff that's going on at the office. It looks. Oh, you uh, it's, it's the coolest thing. I just want to come take pictures, man. That's all. Come, it's. I'm jealous because I'm not in New York right now, uh, but we got so many cool things going on in the space. And Will knows we're doing a, we got an 11,000 square foot compound in Atlanta. Uh, it's going to be video and, and uh, recording studio, listening session, anything you want. It's for friends and family. It's, it's all free. And it's just, it's, it's supposed to be like a living playground. That's what I want. Um, but come, come and visit, please, please, by all means. I'll be there. Thank you for having me, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Keep drinking, too, and keep us in the lines, all right? You already know it, man. Peace out. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Thank you. Thanks, Chevy. Thank you.